Welcome to This Curious Life. This is Terry Rosenstock, your host, and today with me I have keen traveler Jonathan Hornsby. Hello, Jonathan. Hey, Terry. How's it going? Thanks for having me today. You're welcome. Thanks for being here. So we are going to talk today about your extensive travels that have taken you to nearly 50 countries. Yeah, that's right. Um, I can't actually remember exactly how many it is. It's either 48 or 49 countries that I've been to. Um, so covering. many that you can't keep track. Yeah, it's kind of got that to that stage. I've got an Excel sheet where I've written them down, the countries I've been to. Um, but even going through there, I'm trying to remember. It's like, have I been to this place or not? <laughs> Especially some of the European, Eastern European countries. I can't remember, did I stay there? Did I just travel through it? Am I counting that if I've just traveled through it? It's hard to keep track. Mm. So do you count it if you just travel through it? Uh, generally, no. I think I only keep track of a country uh, to say I've been there if I've stayed there for at least one night. There's been quite a few places where I've travelled through, uh, taken overnight buses, for example, passed right through a country, but I can't say I've seen the place, so it doesn't go on the list. I think that's a good call. So, when did the travel bug first hit you? I think I first went travelling when I was 18 years old. I just left high school. I wasn't quite ready for university and and my brother was going to uh, to attend a friend's wedding in Australia and asked if I wanted to go with him. So I took the opportunity to go uh, to Australia. I got a 12-month working holiday visa. And so I had a great time over in Australia. And then with New Zealand being so close, I went to New Zealand for a year afterwards. Uh, again, that was, that was an amazing place, uh, an experience. And then on the way back to the UK, I stopped off in the United States for about Ooh, three months. USA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so overall, so straight after finishing high school, I was gone for two and a half years before I got back to the UK. Wow. Um, which was which was pretty incredible. And so having done that, that's when I kind of fell in love with travel and I've been trying to do it as much as I can ever since. And you've done some long sprints of traveling. <laughs> yeah, so as I say, that, that first one uh, was two and a half years. Um, and then I did a three, maybe three and a half month trip through South America and the United States uh, a few years later. And then in 2014, here in Wellington, I quit my job and went traveling through Africa and Europe and the United States again. And that trip lasted from July 2014 and I got back to New Zealand in September 2016. So that was over a couple of years again. So you're about to ramp up and, and go on another journey. <laughs> it's about it, that time. It's, it's funny. It's kind of getting itchy feet now. Yeah, it's like I've been I've been in New Zealand for three years. It's it certainly feels like it's time to go somewhere else again. So how did you plan and save for a trip that long that allowed you to quit your job and then just go off for two and a half years? Uh, I, I, it's funny. I don't think I actually planned to do it that way and certainly didn't plan to be away for that amount of time it was just something that happened um, but to save money for it I've always been very good at not just splurging out uh, buying things I don't need I don't drink much I don't smoke I don't have a car I don't have a mortgage I don't have pets so I'm able to save a lot of money. Uh, and you may way. be hearing uh, my pet as we're recording <laughs> yeah, in my kitchen uh, and Archie is and meowing. Archie's come to, uh, to say hello on the podcast there. <laughs> um, but yeah, saving money. Obviously, when you're traveling for that amount of time, you need to be able to control what you're spending it on. Um, and so generally, when I'm working and I'm buying whatever possessions I need, uh, I will get 
good quality ones and really look after everything I got. I don't, I don't buy if it's not necessary. Um, I only bought my first television last year, actually. It's one of those things I make do with watching something on the laptop if I needed to. I've got a camera that I've had for about 10 years now. So I generally look after everything I've got. Um, and any money that I can save just goes into my account, keep building it up. Because I know at some point I'm going to be going traveling again. Well, uh, that's what it's been like in the past. And yeah, just make that money stretch as far as I can. Where did you go on that in that two and a half years? Uh, the one from July 2014? Yeah. So I started off going to Africa. So I left New Zealand and went to Africa and had um, about a month in Africa, traveling around South Africa, Zimbabwe and Botswana. And it was absolutely incredible. I loved it to bits and I knew there and then that I would need to come back to Africa at some point. Uh, I certainly wasn't done with it. But from there I went on to the UK and bought a, a camper van that you could sleep in and it had a, a little fridge in there and a wardrobe and uh, a cooking uh, apparatus and went for a bit of a drive around part of Europe for, I don't know, maybe about three or four months until it started getting a bit too cold to sleep in the van, uh, at which point I came back to the UK just in time for Christmas 2014. Um, I ended up getting a job in London, worked there for six months just to build up some more money. And then um, I finished work and I went back into Europe, this time without the, the car. Um, I was just going by planes and trains and automobile travelled around um, where did I go I went through Croatia Italy Spain France Portugal um, Austria Germany uh, Belgium the Netherlands I'm trying to remember which countries it was now which order it was but I, I covered quite a lot on that trip and then I came back to the UK for a few weeks uh, and then I jetted off to Africa again on Christmas Day and I joined a big overland trip, so that took me from Nairobi um, and we went through a bit of Kenya, we went to Tanzania, I got to see the Serengeti and the Ngorongoro crater which was amazing, absolutely incredible. And we went over to Zanzibar on the, on the coast and then started heading south, so down through Tanzania, Malawi, Zambia, Zimbabwe, Botswana, Namibia and finished off in Cape Town. So uh, seven weeks, I believe it was, on the truck. It was yeah, quite the experience. What was the highlight? <laughs> of a seven-week trip like that? Oh, <laughs> just one. <laughs> that's, that's just impossible. Um, so many highlights. Um, for example, uh, rocking up into a town called Victoria Falls uh, on the border of Zambia and Zimbabwe. So uh, I guess the town is named after the waterfall. Uh, the, the massive Victoria Falls one of the biggest in the world and the, the local name for it which I in Africa you know, whichever language it is I, I can't pronounce it but it translates to the smoke that thunders which is a pretty cool name because you can hear you can hear the water going over way way before you can see anything um, and I think if I remember correctly it's about a kilometre long there's like a canyon with the waterfall coming over and you get to walk on the other side so you get to see the entire length of the water coming over and depending on what time of year you're there whether there's a lot of water coming down from Angola or not you can either just kind of see a bit of a trickle coming over or it's in full flow and you get absolutely drenched which is what happened to me <laughs> but it was it was very very amazing and luckily I had a GoPro with me in a waterproof case so I was able to get a few photos and videos 
that was definitely a highlight. Other ones include being up in the Serengeti and um, kind of catching part of the Great Migration that goes on up there. So I got to see oh, those thousands and thousands of wildebeest and zebra, uh, zebra everywhere you look. There was lions everywhere, elephants. Uh, we saw a few rhinoceros. Uh, there was crocodiles in the in the water. It was just, it was an amazing place up there. It all sounds very glamorous, <laughs> but uh, there are some uh, some luxuries that you have to give up when you're on a truck in Africa. <laughs> some, some, some you have to give up every luxury. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's a trip filled with highlights and and it's an amazing adventure and wouldn't change anything about it. But it's it's dirty, it's tiring. Uh, there's very long hours you're getting up in the morning at like three four o'clock in the morning to get out and either get on the truck for like a 12 or 13 hour drive to a new place or if you're going on a bit of a safari um trek you you want to catch all the animals because they're most active kind of around dawn so that's your best chance to see them um so you do get tired on the trip um we were luckily enough to be fed very well uh, the food was was excellent You'll find, because you're living out of a backpack as well, you've got limited clothing and out in the bush in the deserts of Africa, laundries are few and far between, so you're putting on dirty clothes, you're getting very muddy, it's extremely hot, sweaty, hard to sleep, mosquitoes, so you've got to take your anti-malaria pills, so there's a lot going on over there, but it's, it's definitely all worth it. And you mentioned not being able to wash your clothes, and uh, you, you've told the story of how uh, you thought you had a tremendous tan going on. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually happened to a few of us, you know, kind of a few days out in the desert, and we're sitting around having a chat one day, and it's like everybody kind of just happened to, to look at each other and notice, like, oh man, look at the tans with Peter Pete, it's amazing, because you can imagine the, the African sun beating down on you every day, and yeah, we all thought we had the best tans ever, and then... You know, like it was later that night or the next day when we had a shower and everybody's mud just poured off them down the drain. <laughs> yeah, the shortest tan ever, unfortunately. <laughs> it's almost like a spray tan. Oh, with man. Sand. It, it was pretty funny, actually, to see. Yeah, we all had a good laugh. <laughs> um, so your travels through Africa ended with a, a volunteer opportunity? It did, yeah. So the, the truck I was on for seven weeks, I finished up in Cape Town. And then I flew to Johannesburg and got picked up because um, I'd, I'd signed up for a, a month-long volunteer program which was about an hour north of Johannesburg. So went up there and there was a few people doing this um, and it was supposed to be split like the five days, uh, you got your weekends to yourself, but the five days you would help out at different sanctuaries. So I can't remember the days exactly, but for example, we, we would spend one afternoon or one day with uh, elephants and monkeys and another day with cheetahs, another day with um, was it wild dogs. Um, there was a few different animals we were doing and then one day was helping out with some children in kind of like a makeshift school slash orphanage in a shanty town, um, and so the idea was to to split up the four weeks by spending a day with with each of the different places. But while I was there, uh, I did my first week uh, between them all and realised that the animal sanctuaries, as well as having all the volunteers going, there was a lot of paid staff that was there, and from what I could see. A lot of the staff, the local people that lived there were just kind of sitting about not doing too much. And I didn't feel like what I was doing at the time was that good. It was helping them out that much. They certainly didn't need me. They had enough other people going on. Whereas 
when I turned up to where the children were, there was only one lady who'd taken it upon herself to try and look after all these kids, maybe about 15 to 20 children aged between about six months old and 10 years. Uh, a lot of them were orphans. Um, a lot of them were in the country. Their parents had come over illegally from maybe Malawi or Zimbabwe, and so they didn't have any paperwork. They couldn't go to, to school. They weren't officially South African children. And so this one lady was trying to look after them all and, and teach them, and I just felt my time would have been much better spent there, so I had a chat with the volunteer organisers, and, and they were happy for me to spend the rest of the three weeks remaining just going to to that place and helping out the lady looking after the kids for the next three weeks and that was a massively rewarding experience and uh, you have some amazing photos of just these shining smiles yeah it was it was amazing I mean, for one it's like as soon as you pull out the camera or the phone these kids are just like they just appear out of the trees and everywhere they're all <laughs> over you just they can't get enough of the cameras and they all want to take selfies and see themselves it was hilarious um but they're, they're all happy to pose for for photos and, and we had some fun together and none of them have got anything that they're running about in bare feet and the clothes have got it all torn to shreds and, and nobody's got any toys but that didn't matter in the slightest everybody all of them were all happy and singing and dancing and, and happy to kind of play around and play chase or there might be one football that everybody would get in on it doesn't matter your age whether it was the boys or girls everybody was so happy just to hang out and play it was really nice to see it was a really good experience. So is there a way to support this specific orphanage, or are there others like this? Is well, it's, it's, it's not an organisation in that respect. It's just, it's a, it really is a shantytown. Um, the kind of the main, I don't even know what to call it, the main area there, but the children were where they might have like their mid-afternoon nap. It was just, there was a, a corrugated tin roof and the, there was no walls. It was just like curtains and tablecloths draped down the sides of, uh, of a couple of pillars. And that's that's where they were all being looked after. So there, there was no name for it. There's no bank account for it. There's nothing you can really do. Um, the volunteer organisers, I think they, every now and then they kind of collect whether it's a bit of money from, because I had to pay to do this volunteer work. So maybe some of the funds of that go towards buying certain there was a couple of toys lying about or I remember one day we helped them kind of make a, a vegetable patch we we got some soil delivered and we brought some spades and had to dig away and planted some stuff then and just to get them to kind of start looking after themselves a bit so it's it's hard to say to be able to support them because the the shantytown I don't even remember that having a having a, like a name or an address you know the street mm-hmm. it's on we knew how to get there but because it's not an organisation, I wouldn't know how you would actually send anything to them. Right. Yeah. And do you know if that's pretty common throughout that region? I don't know for certain, but I would imagine it probably is fairly common throughout South Africa and the wider continent. Uh, this was just one place. It was. It really was a massive eye-opener. Uh, without exaggeration, this shantytown was there. And there was, there was a few thousand people lived there. Everybody's in like little tiny huts with a corrugated tin roof and hardly any walls. I don't even know if there was electricity to a lot of it. And literally on the other side of the road, like 30, 40 feet away, there were some of the biggest mansions I've ever seen. Hmm. And it was it, it was like two complete different worlds on each side of the road. It was unbelievable. Uh, now that that's, is something that I did see um, 
a bit through South Africa and it was a it was a sad thing just like the difference and what's going on economic over there. divide is yeah it was wide. it was crazy um, you kind of read about stuff on the news or well maybe not anymore and you, you see pictures in movies and whatever but nothing prepares you for when you're actually there and you just see the different levels of of wealth and poverty uh, and it was mainly between like the white folk and the and the black folk over there it was it was mad really mad so I was very happy to have the opportunity to help out and put some smiles on these kids' faces and, and just spend some time with them. Mm. So would you say that's the most um, profound experience you've had in your travels? I would imagine so. That's something I, I, I do even now. It's, it's three years since I got back to New Zealand um, and I do think back about that a lot. I've got a lot of the photos, as you say, that I took over there with the kids. I got them made into fridge magnets and, and they're on my fridge at home and anytime I'm walking into the kitchen I do have a little look and I think back and it's like I wonder what them kids are up to now I wonder mm. I wonder if they're okay I wonder if any of them got to school um, it's uh, there's, there's I don't suppose there's really any way for me to find out mm. yeah it's a tough one but yeah. I do think about it a lot yeah they're probably not on Facebook or yeah. anything like that <laughs> yeah that's the thing them, them guys are going to be having no mobile phones no computers nothing like that so I've just got to sit and hope that everything worked out okay for them. Yeah. Yeah. So what would you say was your favorite place to visit in all of your travels? The favorite place? Uh, I would say for a city, the favorite place would be Salzburg in Austria. Uh, I absolutely loved that place to bits. It was had a very romantic feel to it. It was a, it was a smallish city. Very and the hills buildings. were alive with the, the, the sound the of music. The hills were alive with the sound of music, indeed, yeah. It's a funny thing. I grew up watching that movie a lot. My sister's a couple of years younger, and when we were kids, she would watch it all the time, and so I would watch it as well. And, and I got to Salzburg, where it was filmed, and you see all the different scenes from the movies, like the um, the gazebo, where, where Liesl runs around, I'm 16, going on 17, you see that. Uh, the Mirabelle Gardens, where all the kids are, are running around the fountain and up and down the steps as they're singing. you got to go through there. Um, got to see kind of like um, a cemetery that was the inspiration for you know when they're, they're hiding behind the lock gates to, to hide from the Nazis mm-hmm. you got to see that area as well um, it was it was such a beautiful city and I was walking down the street one day and then you see it sounds like this is the house that Mozart was born in oh, cool. it's like oh pretty cool so I got to go in there and have a look and read a little bit about his history and then up up high in the city there is there's a, there's a big kind of like fort slash castle which is which is great you get to go up there and you can see all of the city and then you just step outside of the city for I don't know 15 20 minutes on the bus and you get to the big massive mountains and there's cable cars going up there it was such a beautiful beautiful place I, I would happily go back to Salzburg anytime nice and number two your, your second favorite <laughs> wow there the really is so many to choose from and, and it's like what out of, I, out of almost 50 I know, like, I'm well, making you well, pick it's, and choose it's not just the numbers as well it's like what am I based on am I based on what, what was cool in the city or what was cool in nature or was there activities to do I mean well what, how about what was the favorite the most beautiful would you say that was Austria uh, I would say either Austria or Norway actually Norway was another uh, highlights. Uh, Norway had the best single day of travel that I've ever done uh, on a tour called Norway in a nutshell, if anybody's ever going there. And it takes you from uh, the capital Oslo to a city called Bergen. 
and the the day of travel there's a quicker way to do it if you just go direct but this Norway in a nutshell is kind of designed for tourists and it starts off by taking you on a train up into the mountains um, and as you go on higher and higher the snow is getting thicker and thicker uh, there was a station somewhere up in the mountains where the you could only see the roof of the station actually the snow was that deep it must have been like kind of 15 20 foot deep uh, so that was pretty cool that was something new for me to see i've never seen it that deep before and then you come you come down and back on the train and you switch to a different train one of the old style kind of like 1920s one with all lovely wooden paneling inside and you can push the windows right down and hang out the window and see what's going on and going over bridges with with waterfalls underneath you and there's mountains on one side and there's lakes the other and then that train comes to an end and you you switch to a boat and you go through all the fjords so that's just incredible with the mountains on either side of the fjords and then onto a bus through more lakes and ah it was just such an incredible day of travel um, I would highly recommend that if anybody ever had the chance. Well, it's funny you mentioning um, the snow because Minnesota, where I'm originally from, there are a lot of Norwegians <laughs> and <laughs> and there is a lot of snow. So it yeah. makes sense why they would have They'll gone feel right to Minnesota. There, like, then, oh, I guess. No mountains, but plenty of snow <laughs> and lakes. And <laughs> sure, yeah. No, it, was, it, was, it was excellent. Very, very excellent indeed. And where were your favorite people? It's a funny one. I think, I think pretty much... Um, any of the first kind of... And you have been to Minnesota, so feel free to say that. <laughs> <laughs> I think the friendliest people I've seen would be like th- just traveling in general through Africa. Um, we would be on this big yellow truck going down the road and as soon as people saw it coming, whether it be children or the adults, ev- there was just smiles everywhere. People waving, coming, like running through their gardens and through the fields to try and get closer to the buses <laughs> we're going down. Um the odd time we would be going through a town you know you get stuck in traffic lights and people are just piling up to the side of the bus it's like hey how's it going wanting to shake our hands and like throwing pieces of fruit in for us it was it was so so cool everybody was so friendly in Africa um, sort of sounds like you were monkeys in a cage <laughs> <laughs> well I guess now that you mention it it, it, it kind of could look that way um, but it, it really was something special to be just to see everybody through I mean five or six countries just waving and looking happy asking how you're doing it's like people care over there mm-hmm. uh, when you walk down the streets here and nobody nobody pays any difference I guess that's to a lot of kind of western countries it's just everybody's gone about their business not really seeing what's going on with other people but I suppose they didn't they don't have a lot of technology there yeah they don't have a, I don't suppose they've a got lot that of distraction. much yeah distractions and various entertainment so it's like all, all those guys and these, these tours I mean whichever company I went with there's there's quite a few different companies have trucks so it's a pretty regular thing for these these trucks to be going through the countries um, so the locals will definitely be used to it but even so they're still really happy to come out and say hi and when you get off the I remember getting off the, the, the truck in many places and as soon as you get off there's people waiting there and they're all just like hey how's it going introduce themselves and as we're walking along to the campsites they're just kind of having a bit of a chat with us and see how it's going um, and then we'd be going out on various excursions for the day and they're just happy to walk alongside you and, and then chat it was it was really awesome it was good hmm. and the place with your favourite activity oh man my favourite activity I think one of the favourite things the best things I did that I certainly was most excited about uh, I'm switching, sorry, now from Africa to America. Um, oh, yeah, up into... I was in Washington, D.C. 
and went to the uh, if I'm remembering the name right, it's the Udvarhesi uh, sure. Museum out, out <laughs> the, next to the airport. And I went on this, it was about a three hour tour that was there, um, where these guys, very, very knowledgeable, it was an excellent tour, just showing us all the different aeroplanes, um, pretty much from the first, like from the, the Wright brothers, mm. uh, going up and showing us all the different planes that had been built and all the famous ones, like Concorde was in there. Got to see the Blackbird spy plane. Got to see the uh, the Enola Grey. That 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 was the plane that dropped the the nuclear bombs mm. on in Japan. Um, but the highlight definitely was when I got to see the special discovery. I'm a, a bit of a, a space geek. I, I love all that type <laughs> of stuff. And man, I tell you, I was like a little kid at Christmas. I, I could not contain my excitement at all when I saw that thing. It was it was massive. It was tremendous. It was. It was so, so cool. I loved it a bit. And it's funny how when you're talking about pets, Archie comes in and starts meowing, and then you're talking about airplanes, the planes are crossing <laughs> the house yeah, right now. one going right over the top. I know, it's all <laughs> it's like we have built-in sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was, that was something else that was. I was a very, very happy person that day. Yeah. So something that I have on my bucket list is to see... All, now I'm jumping back to Africa okay. to see all the animals in Africa, particularly the the elephants and the giraffes and the lions. So, what is that experience like when you're driving through the the Serengeti or wherever, and and you see these animals just going about their thing in the wild? It's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, you're making me want to go more. <laughs> Buy your ticket today. It's so so awesome. You'd be driving along, and the first things you see, kind of as you're heading out of the city where we started in Nairobi, um, it's generally giraffe and zebra that you start seeing first. It's like, pull over, pull over. And this is day one, we're here for seven weeks, but day one's like, pull over, I need photos. And just watching them, and they're over there in the distance, and just don't care that there's people about. And, and it was really cool to see. And then as time goes on and you travel more, you get to see the elephants, and on more than one occasion, We'd be sitting on the truck and you know, you're just kind of chilling out and you're looking out the window or you're talking to the person next to you or having a read or a snooze or whatever. And then all of a sudden the driver's just slamming the brakes on and everybody's flying forward, <laughs> hit, hitting the seat in front. And then it's like, what's going on? What? And you look out the front and there's like a couple of elephants that have just ran out <laughs> of the trees and in front of the truck and we've missed them by like kind of 10, 20 meters. Oh, goodness. And that happened a few times and it's just like, oh, this is so cool. Can you imagine this happening back in Wellington? It's, uh, it's mad. Um, and I remember one day in particular, it was an early start. We were, it was about seven o'clock in the morning. We'd been out driving for a, an hour or two and there was, there was a few people asleep on the on the truck. And again, the driver slammed on the brakes and, and everybody's like, oh, what's going on looking out the front for these elephants? But then the driver, he said, everybody look to your right. And we look out of the window and just sitting there on the side of the road, there was nine lions just oh hanging out and enjoying the morning sun. It was magical. Just looking up at the truck, we're looking back at them. They hung around for maybe, I don't know, a few minutes, three, four minutes, and then they just kind of got up and slowly wandered off back into the bush. Things like that. It was it was just magical to see. So is the truck protected, or is it like a Jeep with open windows? Or uh, so, so this one, so when we got to specific places, like for example, when we got to the Serengeti or to the Angorangora Crater, you do transfer to small, uh, like six-seater Jeeps. Uh, for doing the safari trip but the big overland trip that we did from Nairobi to Cape Town 
it was I think it was a 28 seater truck and so it's massive and the you're you're, you're way off the ground um, you're taller than a normal car put it this way you've got like ladders to get up into the truck and underneath the seats where you are kind of above the wheels and underneath all the seating area that's where you've got to store everything so everybody's bags and, and clothes and luggage you've got all the tents there for however many people are on the trip you've got all the cooking gear all the utensils you've got uh, all the food that we buy at the supermarkets every four or five days whenever we get a chance to stop one everything is on the truck because basically we buy ourselves for seven weeks there's mm-hmm. nobody coming to help us um, so we need to carry everything spare tires the lot and so these trucks are pretty big I mean I wouldn't want an elephant charging into us that's for certain <laughs> no way but it was really good because we had a very good vantage point you get to see if, if there's like for example them lions on the side of the road if there'd been other cars on the road we'd have been high above them we could have looked over the cars with ease would have been great and that did come in handy at some points especially when we were in down in South Africa in the Kruger National Park um, kind of going along in these trucks and there was one place where there'd been a buffalo and I don't know whether it had died of natural causes or something had killed it but the remains of the buffalo were there and there must have been like 50 or so vultures down just tearing into it helping themselves making mm-hmm. the right meal and all the visitors to Kruger there was there was so many cars there it was it was everybody was about having a look trying to get as close as you can so in that kind of situation that's where being in the truck is an advantage because you're above everybody you get to see what's going on very handy indeed and so this was an all-inclusive trip that you were on um so you pay one fee to be on this trip kind of so when you see the trip advertising they've got so many different routes and you can join for part of a route or leave early you basically choose which section of the for example the one I was on the truck was going it started somewhere up in I think it maybe started in Kenya but did Uganda and Rwanda before coming back through Kenya to Cape Town and so I joined it for the last seven weeks but it had been going for three weeks before I got on and so during the time I was on a few people got off in different places some people joined us so when you first buy the, the trip you have a look to see what sections you want to start and finish and there'll be a price for that leg uh, so you pay that and that's all good but then you do need a lot of US dollars for when you're on the ground in Africa and you'll be told how much it is you can see when you're booking the trip because a lot of the things like uh, park entry fees aren't covered mm. so you need to pay for that you generally tip like the people that are the, the locals that are taking you on excursions you generally tip them guys uh, you need to pay for your food you need to pay for any activities like for example if you want to do hot air ballooning in the Serengeti or if you want to white water yeah, raft do. down the Zambezi <laughs> River yeah all that type of stuff it's all really cool stuff that you want to do everywhere you go you're like oh man it's amazing to be here but we can also do this that and the other and so that's where you need your US dollars as well to pay for it all so I guess why US dollars yeah it's it's a funny one that's just what a lot of the people place oh and of course the visas every country you go through for you need to you need to stop and get your uh, visa to go into them and they all charge in US dollars um, mm. it's a funny one yeah in fact Zimbabwe actually their national currency is the US dollar now their own currency fell to pieces a few years ago um, it just like went hyperinflation uh, and they started off with, with like getting into I think their currency was called the dollar it's like a million dollar 
no. Yeah, don't you have like a two billion uh, yeah, dollar note or something? I think I've got a million dollar, five hundred million dollar, and a twenty billion dollar note <laughs> from Zimbabwe, which cost me about five US dollars. <laughs> so interesting exchange rate. <laughs> a bit extreme. Yes, indeed. It's quite funny because you turn up in in Victoria Falls in Zimbabwe. As soon as you get off the off the bus, there's all these locals that have. Uh, it looks like all the currency that they used to have that's now worthless to them, and they're just selling it to all the locals. It's like, oh yeah, I'll take a twenty billion dollar note, thanks very much. <laughs> just hang it on the wall. Yeah, exactly. Casually. So it's it's pretty cool. Um, so you get that, but yeah, everything's U.S. dollars in Zimbabwe, and U.S. dollars are generally accepted in a lot of other places as well. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. So let's move outside of Africa mm-hmm. and actually move to where you're from, England. <laughs> sure. So um, I think the place that you're from is absolutely gorgeous. Um, I, I've been following the Instagram account for a while, and uh, <laughs> and you're you know you're you're from there, so you don't think it's that cool. But tell us a little bit about the Lakes <laughs> District. No, I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm from a a, a little town called Whitehaven, which is on the northwest coast of England, and the kind of about 20 minutes drive from where I was born and grew up. There's an area called the Lake District, which is very popular with people coming on holiday in summertime. It's beautiful. It's all hills and lakes and forests and a lot of kind of outbound courses and people going camping and hiking and all that type of thing. It's very, very beautiful. Um, it's, it's funny, I suppose, growing up there because I, I lived there for 18 years before I went traveling. And so it's just one of those things that I got used to. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, this is home. I'm, I'm keen to see other places now. But having been around a lot of the world now and living in New Zealand, which is also beautiful scenery everywhere you go, I'm kind of starting to appreciate back home a bit more now as well. And so except for I, the rain. Except for the rain. There's far, I've had enough of rain for the rest of my life. I'm done with it. <laughs> yeah, far too much rain, unfortunately. Which but, is part of what keeps it so beautiful and well, yeah, and lovely. Well, yeah, you can't win, can you, really? Um, I want all the beauty, but I don't want what makes it beautiful. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, it's sort of near Scotland. It's very So it's on the border. So the, count, the county is called Cumbria, and the Lake District is in Cumbria, and it's on the border with Scotland. So the town I grew up from, it's about a 45-minute drive to the border. Uh, and actually, if you go down to the, to the harbour, down to the waterfront, you can see across what's called the Solway Firth, the little bay there, and you can see uh, Scotland from there on a, on a nice clear day. So it is very, very close indeed. And your brother lives in Liverpool. Uh, so one of them lives in Liverpool, yeah. Home uh, of the Beatles. Home of the Beatles, <laughs> yes. So, so he's there, get to visit him when I was back there, uh, whenever I can, it's, it's not often enough. And then another brother living in London, so I got to stay with him while I was down there for a while. Yeah, family all over the place. Mm. So England is obviously a good uh, stepping off point for a, a lot of the rest of the European um, countries. Um, so was it? did it make it quite easy to travel around when you're leaving from the UK? It's a good base, actually. And what's really good, which I do miss actually now that I'm back in New Zealand, is just how cheap international flights are. Mm. There's a lot of the low-budget low airlines in the UK. Uh, I flew from London to... Budapest in Hungary for £29 which is that's cheaper than I can fly from Wellington to Auckland here it was <laughs> it was crazy and I think I got from from London to Oslo for £19 uh, that's, that's like the price of going out for a meal <laughs> it, it's just crazy and so it is really good to get around and then once you're in these countries I mean the prices vary depending on where you are there's some the Scandinavian countries, you've got Norway, Denmark, Sweden, Finland, they're, they're quite expensive up there, very expensive, as is Iceland. But and Switzerland. 
and Switzerland. I've never been to Switzerland, but yeah, from what I hear, it's very expensive. Um, so you've got to watch what you're doing there. But if you go over to Eastern Europe, then it's really very cheap to travel around uh, and to eat. So you kind of balance out where you're going. But travel in general, it's really good. Through, uh, I've taken a big mix. I, I travelled on a ferry between Croatia and Italy. I did a lot of trains in Italy because they were very good service. They were very, I thought, very reasonably priced. They were fast. So that was great. Uh, I've done buses through some of the like northeastern European countries, like Slovakia and Poland and Estonia. Um, so quite quite the mix, um, and it's all part of the adventure. Just getting around, seeing what different countries have to offer. Um, it's good fun. Yeah, it really helps open your eyes to just the the differences and similarities across the world. Um, there are so many similarities. Um, for the most part, people I've met have been quite friendly and so forth. Um, but being from the states, a lot of times you don't get out of the states, and so you're 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 just always in that sort of frame of mind yeah. and it's nice to just kind of open your mind to different customs and ideas and yeah it is exactly I mean before I was 18 I'd only been abroad uh, once for a little holiday with my mom and my sister when I was I don't know about nine or ten years old to one of the Spanish islands and so although you had been to Rome when you were like six months oh yeah so six months old <laughs> I've been to Rome I don't really remember it that, that well to be honest I'm afraid uh, but it, it was interesting because kind of growing up I, I don't even remember this. I mean presumably I did kind of watching TV shows and looking at maps and reading about stuff going on in other countries but it's completely different when you get chance to go and travel to other countries and experience firsthand the culture what the people are like uh, what the architecture is like what the food's like activities what what people are interested in what people think is the normal way of life for them that might be completely different to back in the UK that's one of the big draws of going travel just to experience as much kind of diversity and variance of of life and living um just to see what's going on it's 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 really cool hmm. so what would be your advice to anyone who wants to go off on an adventure and uh and maybe take time off work or even just take a few weeks <laughs> what would you suggest they start doing now uh I would suggest there's there's a couple of things to do. It's like when looking for going traveling, uh, as well as having an idea of like, yeah, I want to go and see this country. There's got to be a reason why. It's like, I want to go and see this country because I want to see a particular site or because there's a particular event on, something like that. So if that being the case, especially if it's an event, plan your time around it because I traveled through trying to think some European countries when it was I was like oh, I want to be there in summer when it's nice and hot which is great but then it's the summer holidays yeah, and everyone there's a bazillion people everywhere you go and you can't move and you're queuing up all day to do anything and so that's not the best so a lot of the travel I did was kind of just out of season like in September just as all the kids are going back to school which was way way quieter but still nice and warm got to see a lot of cool things um, so just have a bit of a thought on when you want to go what you want to go and see and do and then this is the reason why I had to quit because I knew it's like flying from New Zealand all the way over to Europe it's not something I can do every like six months it's too expensive you need to take too much time off and work and draining yeah and it, it is 14, it's 14, 16 exactly. hour flights uh, well it's a lot longer than that to get to the UK yeah. um, and so 
that's why I was like, right, this is going to be my one chance to do this type of trip. So I'll save up for however long it was before I thought I was going, like a year, year and a half. Quit the job and just see as much as I can in that time without going overboard, without going mental. I would generally spend kind of three to four days in a place before moving on. I think Salzburg, I spent a week there and then went back for the second week. New York, I spent a week, went back for the second week. Places that I really, really love, happy to go back to. Um, otherwise, it was generally three or four days, just to give you enough time to explore the place, check it out and kind of have a bit of a rest and recuperate before you, you're back onto the travelling again. Um, so yeah, just just plan it out before you go and realise the limitations. It's like, right, I've got two weeks, I'm going to go see all of Europe. And it's like, yeah, that, that's not <laughs> happening. I've spoken yeah. to a couple of people that have kind of had that in mind. It's like, unless you're going to sit on a tour bus like, all day and just drive through and get off for a beer here and there, then um, then it's not going to happen. I mean, different, pe- different people have got different styles of travelling. I guess there's a lot of people like doing that thing, just happy to sit on a bus and have somebody else take them show them a country and talk to them and it's like this is what's going on here I personally prefer to avoid big groups as much as possible I had to do the group in Africa to travel through but generally I prefer having the option to do what I want when I want and so that means buying your own train ticket or bus ticket or whatever turning up finding your own accommodation it's just a wide range and again with the accommodation do you plan it all in advance so you know right I can only stay in this city for three nights and then I need to move on to the next one for four nights or do you turn up on the day and go right I suppose I best find somewhere to sleep tonight It's it, it varies depending on what type of travel you are and I've done all different ways I can't say what the best is it depends what you feel like at the time yeah yeah I did uh, two weeks through um, Europe starting in Venice and then working my way up to just the southern border of Germany where I jumped on a boat and then did a river boat cruise up the Rhine and so the first week was very much just kind of do what you want you see something that sparks your interest you go over there someone recommends you go to a, a restaurant you go there sure. and then the riverboat you're obviously you're kind of stuck to the yep, schedule that there, they've, they've done um, which it was lovely because you didn't have to think about it and, yeah that's and, true it, it is a nice way to just relax and have have the holiday and, and you don't need to worry about anything yeah but I was by far one of the youngest people <laughs> so it wasn't a, it wasn't a bad way and it definitely sparked some interest in some places that I could go back to but sure. how often do you get a chance to go back well yeah that, that's the thing I know and that's like kind of why I ended up quitting the job and just going well, who knows when if I'll ever get the chance to come back here so if there's something you want to see go and do it now and that's kind of the way I do it every, every few years just knock out a big massive trip Yes. And you're, I know you on your docket. You um, do want to go to Russia. I do. I was gutted I didn't get there last time. Actually, I was hoping to get over to Saint, Saint Petersburg in Moscow, but uh, I think I was a bit pushed for time, and the visa was going to cost I know, a couple of hundred pounds. And if I was only going to be there for a couple of days, I was like, oh, it's not quite worth it. But the next, well, whenever I do get around to doing the next big trip, I would like to go back to Russia and start then do the Trans Siberian Express right across Russia, go through Mongolia end up in China explore around there for a bit hit Japan which I've never been to yeah I'm already thinking of where I want to go <laughs> well I'm sure you've inspired uh, many people I to so. explore and, and it's a great see where thing to go, go traveling it's a very great thing indeed I'll have to have you back again to talk more about uh, some of the experiences that you've had <laughs> always happy to chat about where I've been and what I've done all right well thank you very much Jonathan lovely thank you for having me 
Thank you for listening to This Curious Life. I'm your host, Terry Rosenstock, and our guest today was Jonathan Hornsby. See photos from his adventures at jonathanhornsby.com. The music has been created by Haley Fordyce, artwork for This Curious Life by M. Simonic, and coming up on our next episode, Sebastian Grodd talks to us about his adventures in surfing. Thanks again for listening. Please hit the follow button wherever you get your podcasts so you're updated when there's a new episode of This Curious Life. 